0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Are you interested in changing a part of your life? Whether it's finances, relationships, reducing stress, or just personal health, sometimes just changing a few small things can bring great rewards. Welcome to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wadhwa. We'll provide possible steps you need to see these improvements. All we ask is that you try them out. Now, here is Dr. Serena Wadhwa.
2: And welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited because we have a duo guest today and our first guest is going to be Dr. Carla Stein, and I'm going to pronounce pronounce this incorrectly. Dr. Carla Stein Grabber. <laughs> I knew I was gonna say it wrong. Okay, well at least we're gonna be talking about humor today, so that's good. Um, and I'll have you just correct me with that. And then our second guest today is Derek Len Lang Vanis. I knew I was gonna say that wrong too, because that's naturally what happens it's when it's you're the on show the air.
3: Crazy bad names. Okay. <laughs>
2: So what I'm going to do is just turn it to you because we're talking about humor and wellness today. So I'm going to turn it to both of you. And if you can briefly just say your names the way they are meant to be said and uh, briefly introduce yourselves and then we'll get started with some of the with some of the questions. So so take it away.
4: Well, I'm Dr. Carla Steingraber, and I'm a clinical psychologist in private practice in Skokie and Park Ridge. I work with families, uh, children, adults, uh, definitely people of all ages, and uh, I do use humor from time to time in therapy.
3: And my name is uh, Derek Lang Venus. I am a stand-up comic. I've been performing comedy for close to 15 years now. Uh, originally from Montreal, Canada, now living in uh, Chicago. I've uh, performed in the Just for Laughs Festival uh, five times. Uh, well, not too long ago, I was runner-up in the uh, San Francisco Comedy Competition—a uh, dubious distinction I share with Ellen DeGeneres and the late Robin Williams.
2: Wow! Well, fantastic. So we, you know, just amazing. And so let let's just kind of jump into this because there's so much to talk about. And and you know, really, um, both of you have got some really great backgrounds when it comes to this. From you know the the hands on expertise with humor and the hands on expertise with the mental health side. And so let's just uh, talk about what. You know what is humor? You know when you when we talk about what is humor from both your perspectives, what what do we mean by that when we talk about humor?
4: Well, from a clinical perspective, it has a lot to do with something that's being said that is making a connection between two or more things that is a little bit. Um, tongue-in-cheek are a little bit different. You know, the things will sound like they're the same in the joke, and really the the ideas are very much in contrast to one another.
3: Yeah, that sounds pretty good. You know, humor, to, uh, to define humor, it's a, a very specific thing. It's uh, You know, if someone like Jerry Lewis might tell you that humor is a, a man in trouble if uh, I think I said that one right. Uh, but, you know, it's really dependent on the individual. You know, I, um, I've i been in uh, front of audiences who consider, you know, falling down on your face or something slapsticky to be uh, humor, whereas uh, other audiences are looking for something a little more cerebral. Uh, so, you know, I, I think really... Comedy is about surprise. It's about drawing a connection between two subjects that maybe you know, we may not have sort of thought there was a connection. But um, I, I would have to say at the end of the day, I, I've always come back to Jerry Lewis's definition of comedy, and, and that is comedy is probably a person in trouble and, uh, is, and the way in which he resolves to uh, take care of that trouble.
2: And Carla, I guess from a clinical side, I mean, is that something that um, perhaps you've observed in 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 the clinical field, in the mental health field, that people um, have found like humor when they find themselves in trouble? Because that's an interesting perspective when we talk about, um, you know, like the realm of wellness. Well,
4: certainly it it kind of depends on what frame of mind you're in. There's the type of humor that is aggressive towards a third party where the two of you are laughing about somebody else, kind of like when you're watching slapstick comedy. Uh, but there's also self-defeating humor where the person is making fun of themselves and you're allowed to both join in the irony of whatever is being talked about um, And then there there are jokes or humor where it's more of a bonding experience between the two people. But certainly there's always somebody in trouble when you're talking about humor. Somebody is um, suffering,
3: so to say. Somebody's a victim. We we often say there has to be a victim somewhere, whether it's a third party, like uh, Dr. Carla mentioned, or uh, the individual on stage. Uh, That's why you see so many people up there nowadays doing comedy which is about uh revealing, you know, hardships in their own life. Uh I think a Louis C. K. is probably a great example of a contemporary artist who is doing a lot of that right now and uh driving a lot of um the uh the style of comedy we see nowadays and uh it really seems to be taking on uh, a therapeutic um sort of uh, yeah, um, angle these days, whereas before people went to a comedy show to laugh at somebody else, and that was sort of the therapy. <laughs> now you see a lot of people who are actually, you know, venturing onto the stage for the, the therapeutic result, Uh so it's actually kind of interesting in a way, and so... um I I don't know if that was always the case, but uh, certainly I think people rely on self-deprecating humor a lot more than they did in previous years. Uh, again, I I have to say when I when I sort of do a, a take on the history of comedy, I see earlier on a lot more of um, you know looking for an, a third-party victim rather than you know going up there and and talking about. The, uh, the troubles that a, that a comic faces, but yeah, mind you, that's always been there. But I think it's a lot more prevalent now.
2: Well, and that you know, and that leads me to to another question that I want to ask because I think that's such an interesting point. Is that you know when you say that somebody somebody is is the victim when it you know loosely defined maybe. Um, you know that there is this uh, sense that we're laughing, whether it be with somebody or at somebody, but it is at the expense of somebody. You know what? What has been your experiences with humor? Um, you know, as a comedian, um, and you know, a- as a psychologist, and how have you seen those effects um, on individuals? Because I know that when we when we talked about this topic and, you know, kind of, uh, we're talking about, you know, humor as a general topic. There were lots of different ways that this kind of came out and, and, you know, we talked about how you've noticed, you know, people, um, coming into like a comedy show and, and really just being changed by, by humor. And I, and I was wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that and, and about this connection that you made with, with, you know, whether it be laughing at yourself or, or making fun of yourself or, you know, um, being someone being the victim kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. You know,
3: I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, Oh, what, Uh, what it takes to laugh you know i think a lot of people will tell you that you know you have to be in a good mood uh in order for there to be laughter um and that's certainly what i hear a lot from other comedians you know they'll they'll often say you know if a person isn't in the right frame of mind you know they're not going to laugh but you know and honestly honestly my experience has been quite the opposite of that i've I'm amazed at how many times I've, you know, done a comedy show and people have come up to me afterwards saying, you know, I kind of came here against my will with a bunch of friends who dragged me out to the show. I've had a bad (laughs) week. I've had a bad day. And uh, the last thing I thought I'd be able to do is laugh. Uh, However, you know, you really brought the laughter out for me. I I never had so much fun in, in my entire life. And those uh, those moments, I have to say, um, are, for me, they're, they're career-affirming because I think before I ever got into the business, I didn't really think that I would have those types of moments or interactions. But, uh, honestly, you know, comedy, um, it, it can be something, you know, that um, can change a person. Uh, it can really, really, you know, cure them of, of their ills. Um, um, person doesn't have to be in a good mood to laugh. They they can really do a one eighty when it comes to comedy. And that's kind of been one of the most uh interesting, you know, lessons that I've learned in my career is just uh just how powerful it can be in changing a person's mood, um regardless of where they're at in their life. Although I you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't advocate doing a comedy show at a funeral, but uh you know, <laughs> anything short of that, you know, I'm I'm always amazed that – uh the ability of good comedy to cut through sort of the worst of moods, um, and uh, certainly it was uh, certainly it was a strategy of mine growing up. You know, we grew up, me and my brothers. I have uh, two other brothers, and we grew up in sort of a, a slightly strict household. I'd say, you know, there occasionally was tension. My father was a strict disciplinarian, and. You know, either one of us would often turn to comedy in order to lighten his mood, and fortunately, more successfully than not. So um, maybe I learned that growing up. I don't know. But uh, certainly, um, you know, changing moods with comedy was a strategy that uh, I employed uh, well into my early childhood.
2: And so, and so it sounds like, I mean, just from your own experience, you've recognized that it you know and, and and i think the idea of this misconception that you mentioned that you don't need to be in a good mood to laugh I, that's really fascinating because i know people that uh you know that say that they're they're just like you know oh you know i'm not really in the mood to go to a comedy show or see a funny movie and so let's do something different and you know i'm i'm wondering from a clinical perspective you know is that something that's that's pretty common
4: well certainly it it depends of course, on the person, etc, but when you are dealing with humor you 're also dealing with a little bit of a distraction, uh, so when we 're in a bad mood, sometimes we want to sulk, and sometimes we want to get away from it, and it just depends on which frame of mind you 're in
2: um, well in tr- oh so like if you if you want to stay in that place and and you you really just want to be in that um sulking mood or if you're willing to have your mood changed
4: right yeah yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh. And I've been in front of those audiences, too, who just prefer to be in a bad mood. And then, yeah, there's nothing you can do then. <laughs> you know, I, A friend of mine just recently returned from a uh, corporate show he had to do. And corporate shows can be challenging because you have basically a, a, an audience where everyone knows each other. And sometimes that can you know, impact an, a, an ability for someone to laugh because often people feel like they're being judged when they laugh at a joke. And so if you don't have the Right corporate culture uh, that can make for a, a difficult sort of show. Um, anyway, cutting to the chase, um, he had just come back from a show and he said, you know, I, I did a show for 200 of these people and not one of them laughed once. And he said, I couldn't understand. I pulled out every trick in the book. And, uh, you know, I did my time at the end of the show. I, you know, you know, mustered up the courage to walk up to one of these employees in the hallway and I said, hey, you know, be honest with me, was I really that bad? And the uh, the employee turned to him and he said, oh, no, it wasn't you at all. It's just that we'd just been told we were restructuring Uh, at our company and some of our jobs would be let go and some of our responsibilities would be changing. Anyway, it was a really terrible time for us. And then they brought out you to try and improve our mood. And so, um, you know, that, that was a no win situation. I don't care who you are because in that scenario, all those employees decided there's no way we were going to give management the benefit of knowing that everything was okay with us. And uh, and so, you know, that speaks to uh, Dr. Carla's point is that sometimes even when you're in a bad mood, nothing is going to change it because the person has just resolved not to laugh at all costs. And that was exactly what had happened for this poor comedian at this show. He, He was in front of an audience of 200 people who were determined not to laugh at any cost.
4: Well, there's a saying in therapy that apparently must apply to comedy, too, and that is timing is everything. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note,
2: (laughs) note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
0: and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: Are you ready for a real, fact-based show about alternative and natural approaches to health? Listen for Live Healthy, Be Healthy with doctors Jim and Janine Fox. We're not about the latest health fads. We're about proven methods from real patients and real situations. Each week's show is an eye-opening look behind the scenes of real health. Live Healthy, Be Healthy can be heard live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: We'll help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
1: You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time, with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena at gmail.com. That's D-R-S-E-R-E-N-A-W-A-D-H-W-A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
2: All right. And welcome back. Thank you for staying tuned. And we are talking with two fabulous people who are so gracious to me because they recognize and accept the fact that I'm going to butcher their names. And so they are very understanding that I'm just going to turn to that, turn it to them so they can introduce themselves. Um, and then we're just going to go right back into the question. So please welcome back my guests. Thank you, Serena. I'm Dr. Carla Steingraber.
3: And I'm comedian Derek Langvanus.
2: Thank you so much. And so right before the break, we were talking about, um, and Carla, you mentioned this really great um, phrase, timing is everything, which I thought was just fabulous timing. Um, (laughs) And I was wondering if you can... Um, just talk a little bit more about that um, in, in relevance to what uh, we were discussing with timing and how it relates to, you know, the misconception about having to be in a good mood to laugh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, with
4: With therapy, or psychology specifically, timing is incredibly important. There are all kinds of things that through the course of a therapy that a person will at least have the opportunity to discover about themselves. But some things can't be discovered too soon. You can't force them upon somebody. It takes time, and they have to be ready to hear what you're saying. So if you say it too soon, it, it has absolutely no meaning, and and will just go right past them, even if they totally comprehend what you're saying, they won't take it in, they won't internalize it. And with comedy, and and I'm no expert in comedy, but certainly Derek can speak more to this, but like he was saying, if somebody has just gotten really terrible news and then you're trying to cheer them up, uh, that is probably not good timing. And similarly, I've seen people perform jokes where, the timing was off, and so it just didn't land. And when they changed the way they were delivering the punchline, it made all the difference in the world.
2: And and that sounds like then it's, it's – so that is part of that, uh, another misconception that may be part of, you know, when we're talking about using humor in terms of um, – you know, our own wellness, even that recognizing that, you know, timing and how we use it and when we use it may be something that we need to pay attention to. Yes, absolutely. So, what might be some other misconceptions um, that are present or that exist out there in relation to humor or comedy um, and and wellness? What what are some things that you know either you, Derek, or uh, Carla can come up with?
3: Uh, One of my favorites, and I particularly like this one because I'm speaking with two women right now, uh, and that is that uh, women uh, in general uh, can't be funny and that men make better comedians than than women do. And uh, I think that's a misconception I hear a lot of uh, from people. They just assume that when uh, a female comedian goes up there and bombs, it's because of her gender as opposed to her material. And um, I think Maybe a lot of it comes from the fact that um, the type of society we are in, you know, when I spoke earlier about comedy being, you know, a person in trouble, uh, often when we see, uh, or at least, you know, in the past when we saw a woman in trouble, we were a little more concerned in her ability to overcome the difficulty, whereas a man, you know, a man can get punched in the face and like, oh, you know, he'll be fine, you know. Uh, but uh, the fact of the matter is is that um, gender has has nothing to do, in my experience, with a, a person's ability to deliver humor. Uh, certainly my experience in the last 15 years performing with uh, all kinds of, of uh, comedians is that uh, women, in, in effect, can be just as funny, if not funnier, than men because... They have a lot to draw on as well, uh, and also a lot of material that historically hasn't been talked about. Um, So I'm always encouraging, you know, people to seek out female comedians uh, because, you know, comedy is uh, a great tool To disseminate information I think us men lack a lot of information on women Uh, so uh,
4: sorry (laughs) yeah the comedy show is the best place to get that (laughs) well you know
3: it's an icebreaker right you know I mean how often do you hear a man going up there talking about his uh, you know his private parts or his sexual experiences and everything else under the sun and whereas women you know it's considered you know not very becoming of <laughs> to discuss that, uh, but that changed a lot. Um, you know, whether we're talking about the show, the, the vagina monologues, or, or whatever else is out there, um, I think uh, for me that's been you know one of the biggest misconceptions I've noticed out there is the women just can't do comedy.
0: Okay,
2: and and so Carla, what about um, you know from a clinical perspective? What uh, what is it that you've um, found has been a misconception about humor? Um, in terms of mental health? Well, I guess it's
4: twofold. And it, the one is that humor cures everything. And the other is that humor can never be used to help at all. It's, it, You know, both of those misconceptions exist. I have certainly have seen it where humor is being used at at a very wrong time in therapy, where the patient walks away feeling like they've been made fun of, and that's usually not the aim of a therapy session. Um, And then, on the other hand, this idea that um, jokes can can take care of everything. There are certainly times when people just need the space and ability to grieve or be sad or be angry, uh, whatever whatever it might be that they're feeling, that they're allowed to just be in that place for an appropriate amount of time that you're not shortchanging them of those feelings. Um, and at the same time, you can use humor very effectively in a therapy session. It can be very helpful. When it helps the patient to sort of join with you, feel like you get where they're coming from, and it takes you out of the such a serious moment for just a little bit.
2: And so it sounds like, I mean, you know, just kind of listening to what we've talked about um, so far is that the, there are some benefits to humor in terms of, um, you know, I mean, I've heard that it can... Relieve um, some tension. It potentially can just lighten up a mood for some people. I mean, you know, you mentioned that there is uh, like a timing issue that that does need to be used in an appropriate spot. Um, It can be beneficial in terms of changing um, one's mood um, and even a perspective, you know, in terms of just bringing in a different a uh, way of kind of viewing a situation. I think you mentioned something to that effect earlier on. And, you know, aside from those kind of benefits of humor, um, what other things have you seen from your experiences or, you know, from research um, that are potential benefits of bringing humor into um, or comedy into into one's life?
3: You know, interestingly enough, uh, before I became a stand-up comic, uh, I was working, you know, as a consultant in the uh, 9-to-5 world. So I often, uh, you know, I got another perspective on comedy, and what I had noticed in uh, our workplace is that comedy is a a very useful tool in, in actually just changing the culture of a, a company i i used to work at a company that was quite a bit um i don't know stiff and uh you know uh it's very straightforward and i don't think it made for a very fun work environment and i don't advocate a work environment where people are laughing all the time and bouncing beach balls off each other's heads but uh i don't think it was really as pleasant a workplace as it could be and um I uh, resolved myself at the time that I was going to do whatever I could do to lighten the mood, whether I was, you know, sending out an email to the company about a Christmas party that I was helping to organize or something of that nature. I always made sure to uh, make it as funny as I could, you know, and that was a big change for this particular corporation and uh, much To my surprise, and you know, much to my enjoyment, I found that I was getting a lot of good feedback from people. You know, I'd often get private emails or private voicemails from people saying, "Thank you for that." You know, this this work environment is desperate need of a lightening of mood, and so forth and so on. And we all take each other too seriously. So, thank you. Please continue on my behalf. And it was really kind of overwhelming. I never really thought that I would get that kind of feedback, but um, I think that. That is, uh, from my point of view, in my experience, uh, that's been kind of one of the most profound, more profound effects I've noticed. And uh, the power of comedy is it's just its ability to change, uh, change a culture. And, uh, you know, I have to say, looking back on it, you know, the, I think the workplace that I was involved in really changed dramatically uh, for the better.
2: And Carla, what about from a, you know, what benefits have you seen, you know, outside of of some of the ones that I've mentioned earlier? Is there any other benefits that you've noticed?
4: Well, the great thing about humor is that it helps to release endorphins. And any time you're doing anything like that, whether it's exercise or eating certain foods that help with that or attending a comedy show, you are doing something to improve your mood, even over the long term. People who have more humor in their lives or, or laugh more or exercise more or eat healthier, etc., cetera, uh, they're just able to be happier and live healthier Lives It does a lot for your stress levels, which certainly improves health or at least takes away that, that thing that makes health uh, so fragile, which is stress.
2: So it sounds like then, I mean, some other benefits that um, humor can do, you know, it, as listeners are hearing this, is that not only can it help improve their mood or... Um, help in the workplace or lighten things up a little bit or whatnot, but it can actually release more of those endorphins that you've mentioned, um, which can have additional benefits of changing some other behaviors in the long run and also decreasing certain amounts of stress uh, that they may be experiencing from their day-to-day life.
4: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And, and that, of course, is very beneficial as well and I'm wondering, Derek, from the perspective of doing comedy shows, if that's been your experience um just just doing comedy
3: in general
4: yeah um you know
3: it's it's interesting, you know I mean comedy they, people will often tell you i right? I've heard it's been said that uh, comedians are often some of the most miserable people on the face of the earth. Uh, And it's sort of this paradox where comedians spend all this time, you know, trying to get other people to laugh, and they themselves are inwardly strugg- struggling with depression or what have you. Um, I think that uh, stand up comedy um, there are two there are two elements I guess that kinds with with stand up comedy. So the one is the actual you know job of going up on stage and making people laugh, and that's that's pretty much the good part of stand-up comedy, uh, although there are times when you yourself aren't feeling great and then forcing yourself to go up there and make people laugh can be a little stressful. Uh, but uh, that's not really the hard part. The hard part with a, a business like stand-up comedy or any type of business where you are forced to travel a lot and perform a lot for other people is that you can develop fatigue very quickly. And uh, because it's a... we. Sort of exist in a business which is very competitive. Uh, there's not a lot of money uh, to be had unless you're at the top echelon of um, of the industry. Uh, it can create a lot of bad feelings and animosity towards other people and life in general. Um, that's, I guess, probably another misconception when you asked me before that, you know, a business, a business of making people laugh must be fun all the time, but um, that's kind of the the problem that, uh, most artists like myself have to be leery of and have to work through and have to do a lot of, have to invest a lot of time in staying positive and taking care of ourselves, uh, physically and emotionally. Uh, I'm fortunate because I was lucky enough to, um, meet someone. You know, I'm now married to a wonderful woman who really helps me uh, on the emotional side of things and occasionally, you know, the physical side of things. But uh, without that component in my business, I think it would be very hard to stay happy, despite the fact that, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm going up there and and bringing humor into everyone's life, including my own.
2: And. Okay. And so you've seen, so, and that's also part of it too, is, you know, and when we come back from break, I think that might be um, something we're touching upon is, you know, how, how can people then use humor in their own lives, you know, given what you're talking about, you know, as a comedian yourself, using it on a day-to-day basis, you you have to take care of yourself, too. So then what? just kind of when we come back from break, maybe talking about how can listeners then bring that into their own lives and be taking care of themselves. So stay tuned, listeners, and we'll be right back.
1: Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. How many times have you heard this? I'm sick
0: and tired of feeling sick and tired. You are what you eat. I've tried every diet. Diets don't work.
1: It's time to stop this kind of madness and start thinking and feeling empowered to change your health. Tune in to The Raw Truth with Chef Sharon Fraser. Join us weekly for thought-provoking conversations with world-renowned experts in the food, medical, holistic, sports medicine, chiropractic, and naturopathic health sciences. The Raw Truth airs live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you or does somebody you know face an ongoing battle with addiction? Our nation's drug problem is getting worse as we spend billions on the judicial system. It's time to fight the demand for drugs and not the supply. Listen for I Took the High Road with host Jacob Jansen, who has experienced both IV heroin addiction and recovery and is now here to both help and educate you with his story and engaging guests. There are great resources available for recovery and there is hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill.
1: You are listening to Moving Forward, wellness one step at a time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wadhwa at gmail.com. That's W A D H W A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back. We are talking about humor and wellness today. And before the break, we were talking about a lot of different things and, um, you know, just kind of the benefits of humor and going into what humor is and some of the experiences with humor. And we've got both perspectives or we got two different perspectives today on on humor, and you know one of the things um, that I'm curious about if both of you can talk about this is a little bit about you know um, what kinds of things can you suggest um, for listeners that want to bring more humor into their day to day experience or into their life um, because you know my guess is is that most people, especially in this day and age there's lots of things that are going on in the world, and um, people want to maybe perhaps bring more laughter and humor into their life. So what are some things that you can suggest for listeners to do that? Well,
4: certainly there, there are a few things people can do. It, it helps to be around funny people. <laughs> so get some funny friends and spend time with them. That, that always helps because laughter is contagious, and when we hear others laugh, we're going to end up laughing with them eventually. Um, Also, you know, read some books that are funny or watch movies that are funny. Uh, There are certainly some people out there who have been particularly funny like Bill Cosby, so read some of his books. Um, Stop watching the news. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and and turn on a comedy instead. And some people have found that it's helpful if they keep a joke file. Like every time that they find something that they think is funny, they just write it down and keep it somewhere, and that way they can reference it any time they need a pick-me-up, and certainly they can share it with others. And that's always helpful when you can share a joke with someone.
3: Yeah, that sounds about right. Definitely get out there. You know, come see uh... – comedy show that I'm in uh for sure that'll help. <laughs> uh, but uh you know I don't I don't really know what else to add to what uh, Dr. Carla said. I think uh those are all pretty much good ideas and yeah definitely avoid the news and avoid any anything else that uh brings your mood down. Uh whether it's toxic relationships uh you know stay away from that sort of thing. Work environments, you know I'm, I hit on it before. You know sometimes work environments get in the way um bringing troubles home that sort of thing uh I don't have any real advice as to how to avoid that but you know that's going to have to be the uh sort of uh you know the, the listeners' uh, job to figure that out but um yeah I think these are all good ideas
2: and and what about like you know cuz I'm just curious if if you, if either of you think that, um, you know, because these are great ideas that listeners can start implementing um, in terms of bringing more humor into their day to day experience and into their life, and you know, I'm wondering if you, if, if your perspective is that there are are people that that are just, you know, that are just unable to to laugh or to find humor. Or to to have that um, funny bone, so to speak. I mean, is that is that been your experience for either of you, or or has there been any support for that that you've seen um, that there are that maybe there are just people that that it's just more challenging to be able to find humor in things or or laugh at things or or whatnot.
3: Well, I'd like to definitely say you know there are nights when I perform where, you know, that's just my conclusion, that I'm in a room full oh. of people who just have no ability to laugh. Uh There's something wrong in their vocal cords. I'm not sure what. <laughs> uh But, you know, I think I'd be sh- selling humans short if I just made that blanket statement that there are certain people out there who just can't laugh no matter what. I, I think they can. I think it's just a matter mm. of finding what tickles your personal funny bone. You know, art is a subjective thing, and there are, I think there are a million different ways to make people laugh, uh, even if you have to resort to a feather on someone's bare foot. Uh, I think. Oh, gosh, <laughs> that's like torture. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've considered doing that. I certainly have considered <laughs> doing that some nights, but... Uh, yeah. I I think everyone can laugh. I'd hate to think that, you know In fact I, I would you know, and some people would say, Well, you know, there's some people who've been through such hardship that they can't laugh and, and I feel like, you know, there's plenty of examples of people who've been through, you know, what look like insurmountable hardships and and they're the first ones to be laughing. So I think um I think it's really a decision. A decision not to laugh as opposed to an inability.
2: Mm what about What about from a clinical perspective, what are your thoughts on that
4: Well, I, I do think that there is such a thing as people who are less able to laugh. Certainly, there are organic issues like if somebody had a particular type of brain injury or maybe has autism or what have you, they don't have uh, whatever the cognitive ability is at that moment to be able to to laugh, but certainly there's been some research done and having a sense of humor is actually um, an ability that not everybody has. Most people have it to some extent, but not everybody has it to the full
2: extent. So it almost sounds like that that it's a it's one of the that it's a skill that it's something that people can uh develop if it's if it's worked on effort is put in um, it's practiced that kind of a thing I would guess, and you know I'm not
4: necessarily the expert on the genetics of humor uh, but like a lot of things, like some people have an amazing singing voice without doing anything. And some people can take all the lessons in the world and they're just not going to be able to do it because there's some kind of disconnect between the way their brain hears themselves and the way they they actually sound. But A lot of people or most people with some training are going to improve their voice. And similarly, you can improve your your humor ability, but that doesn't mean you're going to necessarily become a stand-up comedian. Um, It's not going to be the cure-all for everybody. Darn it! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's
3: right. <laughs> yeah, that's a question I get asked a lot. Like someone will come up to me after the show and go, "So, you know, can I learn to be funny?" And right. uh, I really don't know what to tell those people, you know. Um, <laughs> I, good luck, <laughs> well... I guess is my the only piece of advice. But I'm always baffled by that question, you know, "Can I learn to be funny?" I'd, I really I would assume that you already have an act for being funny. You know, that's your allure to being to to trying out stand-up comedy. Because you've been able to make somebody laugh in the past, but mm. occasionally I get approached by someone who apparently has never made anybody laugh in their life, but still they would like to <laughs> attempt it. Oh, so uh, I don't know what to say <laughs> to those people.
4: Well, so, well you there know, are some books it, you can read that are about yeah. how to become funnier, and there's some techniques, right? With everything, there are, there are techniques like using pauses appropriately. Um, you know, whatever else there might be. So certainly, it's something that you can get better at, but it just doesn't mean that you're going to yeah. be an expert at it. Fair
3: enough.
2: Well, yeah, and I would, and and that's really interesting because, you know, from from the perspective of being a professional comedian, I mean, it it sounds like it, being able to develop your, um, I don't, I don't know even what the word is for your, I guess your routine or your, mm-hmm. uh, is your that, stick. is that what they call How's your routine? Sound? Oh my goodness. I don't know if oh. I want to say that, <laughs> but okay. your, whatever it is that you do up on the stage, yeah. you know, to, you have to perfect it. And it, and it, so it comes out very, you know, the way that you want it to come out and, and, and with all the appropriate, like, you know, what Carla was saying earlier with appropriate pauses and everything that goes with that. I imagine that's something that you practice and that you, um, um, you know, uh, practice on people or do whatever. So there is some, um, skill that you put into it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So it's not just, I mean, but it sounds like too, what, what you're saying is that there is some natural ability that goes with being a comedian. It's not all, it's not,
3: you know, I think it has more to do with the way you process the world. I I think everybody processes the world differently, you know, Uh, some people process with music and, you know, painting and and writing or what have you, I think we all have this, uh, you know, we all have our own way in which we interpret our environment. And I think uh, what is probably, um true about most comedians is they process the world generally with humor so uh, and and so that's the practice I think the practice is really about just you know, throughout your life, the way you've interpreted things. You know, what, how you deal with certain stimuli. You know, do you automatically see the humor or the irony in a situation, or do you, you know, think of? Uh, do you try and process it in terms of a of a sculpture of a painting? Do you, you know, do you put what's happening to music? Does that inspire you to do that? Does, when something happens, to you, do you are you inspired to write a poem, uh, or are you inspired to write a joke. So I think that's really the, you know, the when you talk about ability, I think it has more to do with just your your inclination, um, you know, and, and, and not that, you know, you can't be both. You can't be a person who writes good poetry and makes good jokes. But for me, from my own experience growing up, I mean, since I can remember, uh, you know, I, I always looked for the irony, the, the, the satire, and something that that I saw in the news, or, or what have you. Um, so, I think that's where the real sort of practice starts. Um, and then, of course, there's the practice of going up on stage and communicating that information to people. Uh, and really what you're learning there is just how much information to provide people and um, before you hit your punchline or attempt to make them laugh.
2: And- And that is a hard thing to do, is finding what you said, like the irony in life or the irony in your experience. That's not easy to do. Um, And and like what you said earlier, that really is about in terms of, um, you know, and Carla, maybe you could talk a little bit about this, too, about how you perceive things or how you've grown, how you've been. Um, you know, raised to perceive things kind of, uh, you know, in that sense as well. Oh, yeah.
4: And the, there's a big difference between things you laugh about when you're just with your friends. Right. And things you laugh at when someone has delivered it on stage. The packaging has to be so different on stage. You can't just do those friend jokes on stage because... The audience, even though they might like you, they're not your friends, so they're just not necessarily um, going to laugh in the same way as as they will once the joke has been perfected and packaged appropriately. But certainly the way you're raised has a lot to do with it because some families just use humor a lot. And so that's just part of the everybody's day-to-day experience and how they learn to see the world. Yeah, similarly, some families are very artistic or what have you, and so those are the things that become normal or expected. Um, and and just like you might have the opposite happening, families that never see anything funny. They're only concerned about achievement or they're not concerned about anything at all, just, just having a good time, whatever that might mean. And so some of these other aspects of a person's potential might not be... Um, cared for or nourished the way it needs to be for it to really grow and develop into something.
2: You know, and that's interesting, you know, and just kind of, you know, the other question that that brings to mind is, you know, because it sounds like there is like this balance that needs to occur between, you know, I'm thinking about kind of some of what we talked about earlier, that there's um, a lot of seriousness that kind of happens in the world. And then there may be too much lightheartedness that happens in the world or whatnot. And so, you know, how, like, if there's conflict that's occurring, and, and you want to bring in a little bit of humor to it, you know, the idea is kind of bringing it in with some balance to it, that it's not all about making everything lighthearted. And I'm, I'm curious, like, how you like, even in a clinical setting, you've mentioned this a little bit earlier, that you could bring it in, and and it is really about bringing it bringing it in, um, at the right time and the right amount. And I'm, I'm wondering if either of you have some thoughts that you could share with listeners about, you know, if, if that's something they may want to try or look into or, or think about, or just kind of, you know, massage a little bit about, about doing that. What are, what are your thoughts about that?
4: Well again timing is is everything and uh you can use humor in a therapy session but you have to use it sparingly and and conscientiously it has to be done carefully because certainly you can leave somebody feeling like they were the, the victim of the joke. And that's very easy to happen in a therapy session because people are coming to you with things that they're concerned about. They're coming to you and they're actually letting themselves be vulnerable, at least most of the time. And so when somebody opens themselves up like that, uh, it can be tricky how to make a joke without it Coming across like it was targeted at the person.
3: Yeah, uh, it's uh, you know when I, as a stand-up comic, you know I'm expected to bring humor, you know, as often as possible. So obviously, you know, humor, uh, there's never a bad time. To be funny, um, I think that as a stand-up comic, what you do have to do is you, you have to be careful. And when you do maybe have uh, an audience member who is heckling you or or just being you know a bit of a nuisance, uh, how you handle that is is really very important um, because it's easy in that situation uh, when you're being attacked uh, to respond with vitriol. And uh, and I've seen it happen so many times, you know, where uh, a stand-up comedy show is completely ruined because uh, you know there was someone who was just being so disruptive, and the comedian up there, you know, responded in an angry manner, and um, you know the show really was in a state of disrepair. Um, so it's it's interesting that when you're Sort of facing that kind of conflict, it's almost as if the audience is expecting you to turn it into something humorous, uh, and that's usually the challenge: is um, you know how to be humorous even in those types of adverse situations where someone is really trying to derail you, you know. Um, and I think what really, from my experience, what helps is it's just you always have to sort of interpret those situations as uh, as gifts from the audience, because uh, if you do happen to turn it to your advantage, you sort of, uh, I think in many ways... um increase your status with the audience. Uh I think nothing pleases an audience more than a stand-up comic being able to deal with an adverse situation. Uh even if it's something like a a technical issue where, you know, the lights go off or the sound goes off or or something of that nature. Nothing pleases an audience more when a stand-up comedy stand-up comic is able to um you know respond to that um in uh in a fun fashion and bring laughter
2: from it. And you know, we talked about so many different things today, and so we do have to close. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, what are what are what are some ways that they can get in touch with you for both of you?
4: Well they can go on my website which is a aprioris.net, A is an apple P R I O R I S dot net.
3: And Derek Yeah, uh, similarly, uh, they can go to uh, my website as well, uh, or they can uh, actually follow me on Twitter, is what I would prefer people do, uh, because I'm always looking for more Twitter followers. Uh, That seems to be the real thing nowadays for us comics. So they can go to uh, my uh, Twitter page, which is uh, at Doriccio, and Doriccio is spelled D-E-R-I-E-H-I-O.
2: All right, and thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend.
1: Thanks again for making the first of hopefully many changes this week by tuning in to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time. Dr. Serena Wadwell hopes that you'll join her again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.